0: welcome to we muse aloud a podcast where anonymous voices share their thoughts on a theme within a dreamscape of music and ambient sound i am lucy emma our usual presenter is on vacation this episode is about grudges and our contributing voices all have stories of situations about which they stayed angry for a long time Some of them aren't over their grudges yet. For the first time, one of our contributing voices has asked to have their voice altered to further preserve their anonymity. We happily obliged. As always, we muse aloud is best enjoyed with headphones. And now, Episode 9, Grudges.
1: No, generally, I am not a person who holds a grudge. It, uh, I'm very, I think I'm quite difficult to offend, actually. Um, I, I generally, if something happens, assume it's my fault. So it's, it's kind of unusual for me to actually get mad at somebody else and think it's their fault. And even if I do, I still think it's mostly my fault.
2: Up until recently, I don't really ever think about people that I hold grudges against, but more and more, I've started to realize that there are a lot of them that are unacknowledged, and they're just under the surface, and I don't think about them until I see that person or I hear about that person.
3: I don't know, I don't know how to answer that. Um, I don't want to think of myself as someone who holds grudges. I don't think I'm someone who is super grudgy, and has a million grudges against anyone, against everyone, and I do know people who are like that. But if I'm honest, like, I think my memory's just too good. I, I just like, I don't know, I remember shitty things that people did to me 10 years ago, and I don't know, I don't know if like, I don't know if just not forgetting them is the same as holding a grudge, but sometimes it is.
4: I don't, uh, I don't think so. But then I'm also, I don't think I have a lot of things that have happened to me that would be worth holding a grudge over. So I really only have this one thing that I'm gonna talk about that, but yeah, like little, I, I don't think so, my, my instinct is no. But then I've also held on to this particular grudge for um mm, Seven, almost seven years. I don't know if that's long.
3: <laughs> no, I think I think sometimes I, I do hold a grudge. I think maybe I just don't I think I don't usually take my grudges that seriously. Uh, but I kind of I think I do hold on to them sometimes.
2: I, I'm outwardly always very nice to people that I interact with, and so I think on some level there's a, a flip side to that in every person, like if you read about, uh you know Jung's theory of the shadow there's always a part of a person that they don't acknowledge and is obscured behind the persona that they project and I feel that that's very true no matter who you are but certainly in my case and that in order to be cordial and get along well with people I interact with that yeah I just sort of hide away the people that I don't want to interact Out of sight, out of mind.
4: I think it depends on the on the of the severity too, um, but I'm trying to think of like, yeah. Although I guess like in the terms of like a breakup or something, like I still like actually got my had my heart broken in June. I guess like a different kind of, but like that's been almost a year, and I'm like I still am like I'm still like mad about it, you know. So maybe maybe I am. Like I don't think it's good to hold on to anger for that long. Um, but uh, but maybe I maybe I am. I think I just haven't had luckily a lot of opportunity to to hold a grudge against someone. It runs in my family. Past Apparently, my my great grandmother, who I never knew, uh, she would hold a grudge like forever. Like she, you if you wronged her or anyone in her family, you were like written off forever. And I think that's extreme, but. Because that would be like, oh, they just sort of like pissed her off. Like, you know, not like you were severely wronged by someone, but just like, oh, that that person, like, said something shitty about my son. You know, the, they're they're dead to me, you know?
1: So the grudge that I have held, and I will tell you at the end about whether or not I still hold it, um, is against my, well, you'll know this story, my family member, my my. We'll call her my aunt for uh, expediency's sake, who um, I've known you know, my entire life, who I grew up with, who's very close to my mother, and who owns this beautiful farm outside the city. And so when uh, my partner and I decided to get married, we asked her if we could have the wedding at her farm, which uh, in retrospect was a really dumb idea. Like, really, I don't know what I was thinking because she's also, um, she's the only person I know who has absolutely no sense of humor and is, you know, very high strung, is constantly under financial stress. Um, and so, in the year leading up to this wedding, it became increasingly clear to me that this was probably a bad idea because she would say things like, Okay, we're going to we're really going to need to uh, to get some chiffon and maybe like drape it near where the cows are. Um, and then we're we're going to have to get a horse-drawn carriage to bring you in for the wedding. None of which I wanted for my wedding. Um, and then as we got closer to the wedding, her, her farm is beautiful, but it was a, a little bit run down. But to my eye, it was fine the way it was. It became clear to me she wanted to sort of completely renovate the house and grounds. So fine, I understood this. So we said, you know what, we'll pay for somebody to come in and do this. And I knew I was in trouble when she said, no, you cannot pay to have somebody come in and do it. I want you to do the manual labor yourself. I know. And I said, sort of, why? And she said, because you don't do anything around here. where I don't live, by the way. Um, And so I started going up on the weekends and like hoeing um, and getting like sunburns. And the week before the wedding, my bridesmaids were in a field shoveling manure. So anyway, maybe three or four days before the wedding, she emailed me and she sent, it was this very angry email talking about how I hadn't done anything and I had been taking advantage of her and um, she wasn't gonna let us put up the tent for the reception and um, you know, she wasn't letting anybody on her land. <laughs> and I, I called my other aunt who lives nearby and who does um, event planning in tears and she like, had, was gonna find me another venue for the wedding. This is three days before we're supposed to get married. She was going to find me another venue for the wedding and my fiancé at the time managed to call and and sort of talk her down and, you know, managed to convince her that we didn't have to move the wedding. But I remember the day before, my friend Luke called me and he said, what are you doing? Are you excited? And I said, I'm sitting on the bathroom floor drinking scotch. (laughs) He said... Okay, this doesn't seem like a good sign. So, the actual wedding, I remember as being one of the most stressful days of my whole life, and it kind of casts this pallor over the whole day. Um, you know, I was, I'm, I'm very timid, and I hate it when people are mad at me, so I was just afraid she was mad at me the whole day, and you know, she was gonna sit at the head table with us, and then she said she didn't want to sit there, and then she said she did want to sit there. Then she yelled at my mother, who had literally just had surgery for cancer, um, and said that this was all her fault, and she should have stepped in. Anyway, the conclusion of this was that we went back the day after the wedding, cleaned that place from top to bottom, I made sure I didn't leave a speck of anything anywhere, and then I left and thought, I, I'm never gonna see this person again, which I haven't. It is now four years later. And it's so strange that you're doing, asking me this now because two days ago was my birthday, and I received a message from her, first I've had in four years, saying as though nothing was wrong. Well, happy birthday, um, hope you're doing well. You should come visit sometime. So, the funny thing about this is is that in the last few months, I've kind of realized that humans have a really hard time being humans, and that people do things not because they're trying to hurt you or be mean or, or because they're terrible people, but because they just don't know how to be human. And nor do I and that sort of the ways in which I'm fucked up rubs up against the ways in which they're fucked up And it just causes lots of problems. And so I had thought kind of recently about This person and I thought oh the the effort it would take to be angry is just not worthwhile um, You know it, it was probably half of it wasn't even related to me, you know, and half of it was that I wasn't clear about what I wanted. Um, So when she sent me this message, I sort of thought, well, this is nice, but I don't really want to spend time with her anymore. So I just sort of wrote back and said like, yes, hope you're doing well too. All the best. (laughs) Um, Which is a bit awkward because we are actually related to one another and will at some point have to see each other again. But at least now, if we do see each other, it won't sort of be like, you know, an old Western standoff, at least. Um, which will make my grandmother happy, but... Anyway, so I guess the story of my grudge is, in fact, that, you know, as the years passed and other things happened in my life, I thought, this grudge is, is, is not... And I used to have the, the sort of angry conversations in my head while I was washing my hair and all the, like, you know witty comebacks I would have and now I just feel like eh, it's not worth the effort to be to be angry about it anymore and there's really no lasting harm done Um, and and, you know I have spent a lot of, of energy in the last four years feeling really upset about this and I'm sure she has too and nobody's gonna apologize but we're going to just sort of agree that to a to a denouement, I guess.
2: Uh, well, I don't think that people in my past come up too frequently, except you know now that everybody's on social media, it's kind of impossible to block everybody out of your life that you don't interact with. There's always some reminder from the past that comes up, and. Uh, Recently, uh, you know, I got involved in city politics and I was like hanging out with people who were trying to uh, Get a candidate elected in the last mayoral election. And so I started hanging out with a group of people um, Just for the that purpose to organize and volunteer and then Over one of their social media feeds. i kind of encountered somebody that I really didn't want to encounter They were like be they were being retweeted <laughs> so it was coming up on on my screen for like this face from the past. And it was somebody who had started a disinformation campaign around my activities. And I remembered like like almost none of this until I just saw caught a glimpse of that face and it all came back to me. And I was like this deep well of hatred that was untapped just came rushing to the surface. It was the most bizarre thing. This is about 10 years ago now, so almost 10 years ago. And so, you know, when it was over, it was like super traumatic and like all these like relationships that I had been accumulating sort of fell to the wayside. I moved on to a different part of my life. And you know, I had not really put two and two together that this was like all down to this one person. And I was like furious. Uh, there was a, a, a group of people that I belong to that this person didn't like and there was a campaign on his part to put it around that I was leading this group of people and making them do all these things and uh, you know the more I think about like the insanity of that 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 would like anybody who knows me realizes that I'm not like some like alpha dog leading people around so you know, the incongruity of it is so baffling that the fact that it I feel it kind of worked and turned all these people against me is even more crazy. It was almost like it was a sort of a cosplay-centered thing. And uh, I think people took it the wrong way and it was misunderstood. And so, as a result, this person put around a lot of nasty rumors about it and, uh, you know, It got kind of ugly, and pretty quickly. And it's fascinating to kind of reflect on the social implication of how quickly a group of people can be, you know, manipulated or turned when somebody plants the seed of doubt about what's actually going on. Uh, Like, I, I didn't come up with it or anything, it was just something that, like, was a campus tradition of, like, the kids who, like, do this one thing, and Uh, It wasn't directly related to anything uh, outside in, like, traditional fandom, so I think he might have also had a problem with uh, it being, you know, us having some sort of inflated sense of self-importance by being part of this weird university tradition. This is like the rumor or the campaign to, like, discredit the group of people that I was, like, friends with and had. Uh, this kind of like fun little thing going with. So, in a sense, it's like if you, uh, you know, my my friendships and all the people that like I would drink with and have a great time with around university were kind of like uh, friendships that I would have liked to have kept, but this kind of made that impossible. I don't know, like I, I, I don't want to like you know, implicate anybody who may hear this, and I don't wanna like talk about anybody on a specific level, but um, people who were in my life about 10 years ago, uh, aren't in my life anymore, and they know why. (laughs) So I think it's, there's this sort of like, before and after point in my life, in retrospect, that like, you know, uh, before I left school, there's like a group of people that I like ran with and then afterwards, like I made an entirely new set of friends and very few kind of people survived that transition in in my social circle. And the ones that did were just like, you know, they didn't believe any of the bullshit or hype, but it was like, oh wow, yeah, like, you know, dozens and dozens of people that I would see routinely around school, like I just, don't keep in contact with anymore and they probably pulled away from me rather than me pulling away from them. I feel like anyway. I don't uh, I don't really keep in contact with any of the people from that time in my life. so I haven't talked to any of them about it, but like I certainly remember everybody getting real nasty. No, he wasn't really in the cosplay group at all. I think he was kind of resentful that such a thing existed and he wanted to get rid of it, and he wanted to destroy it. So, he uh, started this, I guess, uh, like, I don't know how to call it, other than like a rumor mill about like the people involved in the cosplay. And now none of us are friends anymore. And I think it's all his fault. I think he was sort of just, Tangentially connected to somebody like he's also a civil advocate now and like he has You know a Twitter profile that like he you know tweets political things on so like like, If you're on Twitter and you follow Toronto politics, there's like a number of people who are very active and like you know They kind of like pop up no matter who you're following like people are following them and retweeting what they say And then this guy turns out to be one of those now And that's the only context that I would ever have contact with him uh, I feel like he felt that we had like some power trip going on that he didn't want to be involved with and it was unfair to him that we were like getting along so well and having such a great time and just not being involved wasn't enough for him. Whatever his motivations were, I'm not really sure, but the end result was he made or tried to make everybody involved with the group look bad and then as a result, the group split up or was like you know cast asunder and that I think uh is something that i if I put in perspective is like if there's no real rational reason why somebody would seek to do that but that's what he did and he did it using social media uh partly that I think he partly used uh like uh you know, obscure, like, things, like, student governance ordinances to stop us from gathering together on campus. And, like, he went after our, uh, yeah, basically, like, through the school administration. He, like, put stories out in the paper, that, in, like, T paper. Like, it was, like, it was weird the extent that this campaign, like, against us went. and uh, And now he's just some, you know, fairly respectable, you know, whoever on the Toronto political scene. And it's, it's bizarre to think that like somebody like that with that kind of mindset is just walking among us <laughs> with all the other people in the city. It's like, look out. If there's some other group that he wants to like tear apart, he could do it again at any time. But I mean, who knows what's really going on in that person's brain? Like I, I happen to think it was just jealousy at, at, at the root, but who's to say for sure?
4: At uh, my twenty-fifth um, birthday, I had a big, a big party. So this was two thousand and nine. Um, I was, I was in a relationship at the time, and my ex had told me he had some surprise trip planned for me at the end of August that we were going to go on, kind of for like for his, around his birthday, but just as like a but a thing for the the both of us. And I'm, I have a weird like ability to kind of guess things like with very little information. It's just a very kind of instinctual like I, I've done that with like gifts and things where I'm like, oh I just like I just know. So he he actually tried to like steer me off of the path. you know, he's like, Oh we're going somewhere south. So I was like, okay, cool, like can't be anywhere too expensive we're probably just gonna like maybe we're gonna go to Mexico like but it was was super exciting and I had no idea and I I like being surprised I don't want it I'm not gonna try to figure it out you know so I I had this vague idea but I knew it was a surprise Um, part of me was like I wonder if he's gonna propose like there was something in the back of my mind that like maybe that was gonna be a thing something we kind of talked about so anyway, so I'm going about my business, looking forward to this mystery trip at the end of my summer. So I have a birthday party. Everyone's super drunk, my ex included. And what I didn't know is he'd been, like, going around telling certain people about this surprise because he was so excited about it. Um, so... I was oblivious to all of this. So one of my friends was pretty pretty in pretty rough shape, so I offered to walk her home. She lived, like, you know, not too far away. And um, we were walking, and she's like, oh, like, I'm so happy about you and, you know, your, your boyfriend, and she's like, oh my god, like, the surprise he has planned for you is so crazy. Like, I can't believe he's gonna take you to Paris and propose to you. And <laughs> I was just like, Whoa. I was like, you did not just say that, you didn't say that, you didn't, and she was like, oh, shit, oh my god, no, I shouldn't have said anything, and I was like, are you fucking, like, you're, you're serious? She's like, oh yeah, he like told me tonight, he said he was, he's been like trying to trick you and said you're going somewhere south, but you guys are actually going to Paris. Anyway, so, I, uh, I can't remember if I got, how I acted towards her in that moment, But it just put me, one, it ruined an amazing surprise, and two, then I had to decide if I was going to tell my ex Uh, that I knew or if I would try to like fake it for a month and and because I was like oh I don't want him to be upset so I, I decided to do the latter I was like I'm gonna keep it a secret I'm gonna pretend I don't know like I went to acting school I was just like I'll keep this this huge it's like a secret upon a secret kind of thing so I like tried to like fake it all the way to when we were at the airport and he like showed me the tickets and stuff but and it was still exciting but oh my god like I just I I would have been so surprised when he when he showed me the tickets at the airport and I was just like this this girl robbed me of that and we weren't we hadn't been friends for that long we had like a kind of like fast and furious friendship where we worked together and we hit it off and we hung out a lot um, but we don't have been friends for about a year so it wasn't um, it was pretty easy for me to just stop being friends with her which I did I I like never I don't think I ever spoke to her again Um, we're still Facebook friends and uh, I remember seeing maybe a year or two ago her posting that she got engaged and I took everything in me not to comment like I really hope someone didn't ruin the surprise for you (sighs) like you did for me anyway so yeah Uh, I don't think I'll ever forgive that person (laughs) for doing that
3: So, I think it was about seven or eight years ago, I saw, and this was back when I used to write theater reviews uh, online, and I had seen this guy's solo show, we shall call him Greg, at the Fringe. And I remember really liking it. Now, I don't even really remember particularly what it was about, but it was just sort of, uh, a funny, confessional solo show, a bit of a kind of stand-up-y vibe, but more storytelling. And I remember thinking it was great and writing a really lovely review of it and saying, like, everyone should go see this. It's a really fun show. And then the next year came around. I think, I think I might've even, you know, put him into my fringe preview and was like, oh, this guy's coming back with a new show. Like, that's, I'll definitely go see it. And then I want to go see it. And it was when Comedy Bar was still a venue for the Fringe, and I went with Morgan. And the sight lines in Comedy Bar are pretty bad, especially if you are a shorter person, which Morgan is. So she insisted that we sit in the front row. And that was sort of where it all went wrong because this guy's doing this show, and again, it's it's so long ago now, I don't really remember the subject matter of the show, but it was another sort of confessional storytelling, jokey show. But he saw me sitting there, I was right in the front row, and his eye just kind of kept going to me. And I don't know, I feel like it was maybe just not It was maybe not the best uh, run of his show. Uh, I feel like maybe the house wasn't super packed and maybe it was a sort of, might have been like a weekday afternoon performance or something, it was just sort of like not the best energy. And I I found watching the show, I was like, oh, this isn't quite uh, like zipping along the way I remember the last show. And I don't know that it's quite structured as well. And then he started doing this thing where he was, like, picking on me and he kept, you know, and I was sitting right there and then he kept uh, picking me up because of my hair and saying all of these things about... So, sort of making fun of me for having red hair. It wasn't a show that was about having crowd work in it. These were just sort of like throwaway ad lib things uh, that I wasn't expecting and didn't feel like uh, I deserved particularly. <laughs> but he just kind of kept coming back to it. And I feel like it was this thing where every time he was sort of losing the crowd, he would sort of use me as a scapegoat and kept sort of pointing out to me again and being sort of like, oh, it was." I feel like it was a bit of a like, oh, you didn't like this that last joke? Like, look at, uh, you know, ginger nuts over here or something, right? And it got to a point where he made, the, you know, the, the sort of the final joke that he made at my expense Uh, and I almost walked out of the theater, but I didn't, was something along the lines of like, you should just kill yourself. Uh, You know, or you should jump off a cliff or something. It was something about like me killing myself because I had red hair. And it went over like a lead balloon. Like the whole room I think was sort of like, oh, that was not funny. That was incredibly mean spirited. And you've kind of now you've like actually lost us. And it was nobody laughed. And there was just some sort of like awkward groans, I remember. And then I just kind of sat there for the rest of the show, giving him this like death stare, basically. So then and of course, what he didn't realize at the time was that I was there to review his show. And then I'm also somebody who had like previously given him a really lovely like kind of rave review. And I remember I even had to sort of argue with the editor because they, was, they were very intent at the time of that blog on only using um, the like, first person plural. Everything had to be we. And I was like, look, this is a very specific uh, experience that I had. I'm mad about it. And I wanna talk about what happened to me. And I wanna use I, I wanna explain the story. And I wrote something, and I have not read it recently, but it was I know it was very scathing. I think it was probably, I would say it was probably like overly angry angry and emotional. And I think it had a headline that was something like, this person, Greg, hates gingers. And uh, explains how I didn't, you know, on top of not thinking the show was as strong, like this kind of really ugly thing happened. In the middle of it, that I thought was really uncalled for. And I remember it was, yeah, it was kind of a controversial uh, post at the time because I had had to sort of fight to be able to do it at all. And then there were, as there always were, you know, there were people getting upset in the comments. uh, And a lot of people were saying to me, like, oh, because it was a comedy bar and it was a comedy show, you can't sit in the front row of a comedy show and not expect to have the person and make fun of you. And I was like, well, but it wasn't even really a stand-up show. It was a fringe show that was using this venue. And I don't know. I think I like stand behind my feeling that those remarks were over the line and uncalled for. And at the end of the day, just not funny, just not a joke. Uh, and then, you know, as the years went on, I stopped writing reviews as I started working more as an artist myself, because it just, I felt like it it was starting to get into a couple of awkward places, and I didn't want to be, I didn't want to deal with it anymore. So I stopped writing reviews, and I did more shows, and I started doing uh, fringe tours in the fringe circuit myself. So, and this guy, Greg, was also a pretty active, Fringer. So for years now, we've both been on the scene and we've been on the circuit. And it had, there have been that many times, actually, where we've both had shows in the same city at the same time. But definitely, you know, we had a lot of mutual friends and acquaintances. I'd see him around. I'm sure he would see me around. and. Uh, I don't know, I never saw another one of his shows. I doubt he ever saw one of mine. And, oh, I remember, too, there was this one point, years and years ago, he tried to add me on Facebook, and I thought it was so strange. And I sent him a message back, uh, and I said, like, do you honestly think we're friends? And he had some kind of... I don't know, he had some kind of glib response. Um, I don't even remember what it was, but I, I just denied it. He's, not, he's, he's still not my Facebook friend. But then, uh, so last month, I was in Orlando, doing a show at the Orlando Fringe, and I was aware that this guy was also there, and I was seeing his posters around and his postcards, and I heard people talking about him, and I was like, oh yeah, that guy from all those years ago. And it's that kind of thing where you're like, would he remember me? Probably he does. We've never talked. Uh, And there was this bar that people sort of kept ending up at a lot of nights after the shows were all done. And I was aware that he was going there too. And there was this one night where I heard people say his name, and I sort of saw him. It was uh, we were in the sort of uh, patio, the sort of outside space in this bar, and I saw him across the lawn. And I was like, "Oh, I mean, I haven't seen him in seven years, but that's him." And we both sort of avoiding each other throughout the night, but it got to a point where we wound up kind of by accident, sort of standing back to back right next to each other. And we both just sort of slowly turned around, faced each other, and then just both had to sort of immediately be like, oh, hi, it's you i remember you i know who you are i remember this whole thing and we very quickly hugged because it just seemed like it was a very friendly atmosphere we'd had a couple of drinks and i was like it's so awkward maybe this is the only thing to do and we talked about it and he said you know definitely he did know who i was and had seen me around and had always felt weird and uh he talked a lot actually talked more than he listened to me um but that that's fine and he told me how you know he kind of had always had this google problem ever since and that my article is one of the first things that comes up if you google his name And I was like, oh, you know, I actually feel bad about that. And I apologized. I was like, you know, I wasn't as like a fellow artist, like that would really suck. And I, I never thought when I wrote that, like, this is going to be something that's going to follow you around online for the rest of your life. Um, and, you know, again, I mean, and I haven't gone back to, to read what I wrote since, but when i remember it i just sort of think like well it probably was more emotional and angry and personal than it needed to be and that's you know it probably wasn't a very like professional thing to do it was just it was a it was an emotional reaction that probably you know had more to do with kind of like a a lifetime of people making stupid remarks about my hair and just dealing with this kind of bullshit and just sort of it was one of those things where it was like I don't know why but that's the last straw and that was where I was going to make my stand and I did and yeah we talked a little bit he said that he thought sort of like something that was a shame was that um, it it was his like favorite of his shows and he thought it was his best show and it kind of had this weird stain on it And that, and then this kind of made me roll my eyes, but he was saying that one of the people he talked about in that show who was his best friend actually had red hair, although he never mentioned it in the thing. And I was like, oh great, some of my best friends, right? Who cares? Um, But we kind of like, we hugged again and we kind of parted, you know, amicably and as peers and as colleagues if not as friends. And I did feel after, I was like, you know what? I don't have to avoid this person anymore. I don't think he would probably feel he had to avoid me. We've kind of buried the hatchet, whatever it was. And I do feel that the grudge is over. Although he didn't apologize for telling me to kill myself and I tried to provoke the apology, too. When I saw that it wasn't coming, I brought it up. I was like, you know, I did prefer your show where you didn't tell me to kill myself on stage. And he didn't say he was sorry.
0: Thank you, you, as always, for listening. This episode's contributing voices are Johnny Walker, Ruby Magnitude, Clarissa Starting, and Botley Smith. The music was composed and produced by Ron Kelly, and the sound design and production of each episode are his work as well. If you have enjoyed We Muse Aloud, please help us to grow our audience. Subscribe rate and review us on itunes like us at facebook.com slash and follow us on twitter at we our 10th episode coming in two weeks will be the last before a summer hiatus and we will return in the fall with a run of new episodes This episode is respectfully dedicated to everyone who lost their lives in the massacre in Orlando on June 12, 2016, and to all those who remember them. The grudge you hold against everyone who willingly slows the process of gun control in America is entirely justified. We share your anger.